Hi everybody. It's been a while, hasn't it? Two and a half years. I've got a lot to say to you. It's going to be a very long sermon this morning. <laughs> Colin encouraged me. Where are you, Colin? I can't see. On the way, and he said, don't worry, you and I brought a book. You should have brought three. <laughs> but actually, this morning's sermon um, is about the tongue, so I will keep it, you know, only to 40 minutes. Anybody recognize what that tongue is? Rolling Stones, they're not, uh, they're not at Glastonbury, of course. So it's Mark's induction here. Mark was being properly induced on that day. For me, it felt a bit like coming home. You know, it felt like the circle had been closed. And I'm chatting with Matt uh, during the dinner and saying, um, it's really good to have Mark here. It feels like the right thing, doesn't it? He says, how are you doing at Hinkley? And I say, actually, so for those of you who don't know, I used to be lead pastor here, but now I've got about 8,000 swarthy, swearing people that I look after, so not much different. No, so <laughs> it is so different. It is, and I said, Matt, I'm just, I'm right on the cold face. I'm where I'm needed. I mean, I'm an extension of your arm, really. It's a, it's a mission field up there, and I'm well accepted and well loved. It's gone, I mean, kind of COVID kind of um, burnt Matt in here, didn't it? Like, Matt, good man, tag your it, and then comes a juggernaut, COVID. It was the same for me. I walked onto site and COVID struck, but we had toilet paper. That's the difference between us and the rest of the world. And hand sanitizers and so on. I've been so well and so accepted. I said, but to be honest, I'm the only Christian some of these people know. It's such an opportunity to be Christ to them. But you'll only see the reward in eternity. Most of us don't know. Most of us don't see you're there. You're going to your workplace. You're the only Christian. You're working as best as you can. You're witnessing in a way that is appropriate. Only will heaven will tell the influence some of us had. And Matt said, yeah, mate, you'll be getting into heaven. They'll be like this. And I said, because we kind of bounce off of each other, as much as the new Chuckle Brothers do. Mark and Matt are a bit like the Chuckle Brothers, aren't they? Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. I said, well, Matt, well, the thing is, when you get into heaven, it's just going to be, Whoa! look at what he did, and he brought the church through COVID, and he did Saturday morning 1990s TV for two years, and we all enjoyed it. There's nobody getting my jokes, so that's what it was like. It was just, it was just wonderful. And I said, oh, I'm, I said, when am I preaching? I said, this day. I said, what am I preaching on? James 3. And I looked it up, and it said... Not many of you should presume to be teachers, <laughs> because you'll be judged more severely. And we laughed about that, and we said, so there's you and going into heaven like this. <laughs> applause, and there's Matt. <laughs> Thunderous applause, and they go, ah, hang on, Peter says, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. They were pastors. And everyone goes, oh, just two fingers for you, and, and one-handed clap for Matt. We were doing the one-handed clap here for the two of us. Of course, you know, that, there are other sides in Scripture, aren't there? There's stories about crown and the rewards we'll get when we get there if we've been faithful, but it's a tough task and a tough call to be a preacher. Not many of us should, have, should presume to be preachers because it's not about gifts and it's not about prominence and what you do up front. This is the easy bit, actually, isn't it? This is a privilege. This is the easy bit for all of us living it and controlling the tongue is far, far harder. So what James is picking up here, he gives a whole chapter to two things that he's alluded to earlier on. Uh, um, in, oh, let me get it right, where are we? 119 and 126, he talks about the tongue and controlling it. And now he gives a whole chapter to it. Not many of us should presume to be teachers. The problem for all of us is a dissonance 
a contrast in what we say and how we praise on a Sunday and how we live it when we get home now and how we live it when we get to work tomorrow. And it's worse for us Christians than it is for those on site. On site, nobody's controlling their language. But you know what? They're not making great claims. They're not saying they're Christians and they're not pretending to be pure or anything like that. Judgment begins with the house of God. Right? It's Christians for whom this is hard. People who are not Christians make no great statement of faith. Teachers do all the time. And whatever finger we point out there, there's three or four, depending on how you're wired, pointing back at you. We do. You do. This is a challenge for all of us. It says that pastors and teachers will get the worst end of the stick, will be judged more severely. I wonder, wonder how that is. I think we'll be judged by the words that we say. You find this as a theme that runs through scripture that Jesus says, I won't judge you. Moses, whose law you say that you follow, he'll be the one who judges you. And Noah will be the one who judges you. Seems like we're somehow going to be judged by the words that we say. And then by the vows that we make, the promises that we make. We don't speak lies as Christians nowadays. We just sing them. (laughs) I give everything to you. But I'm not sure I want to do that, Jesus. I mean, it's a warning to all of us, isn't it? So how will pastors be judged more severely? Well, by others over Sunday lunch. I'm learning about the Sunday dissect now because I go and hear other people speak. And then Pam and I go back for lunch and we say, what was it like? And I know that you do that with us and I don't blame you for doing it. If anyone's from Hinkley, they ask them to bring either a six or a nine because, you know, they can hold it up one way as a nine for me or a six if it's pretty poor. But... um, not going below that, okay? <laughs> and I think pastors judge themselves more severely. Now that I'm kind of on the other side of the fence, the hardest person to please is not God. He's not the divine hoover. It's yourself. You never feel like you've done enough. You've never visited enough. There's always somebody you haven't. There's always somebody who's out of kill to you. And half the reason, half the time, you don't know why. You really don't know why. So I want to say, with regard to these guys and gals who stand up here, bless them and cut them slack. Realise that they're putting themselves in the line of fire. It is a huge privilege, but it means most of us go away just feeling condemned. And you are so sensitive at the end of a sermon. For those of you who are so kind and say lovely things on the door, most of you do. But occasionally you get, I'll tell you one later on, it's just so funny. You're so sensitive. So just be aware of that. Cut these people some slack. And do remember that in the end, all of us are just human beings trying to follow Jesus Christ. And pastors, teachers, and your leadership team, we had loads of them this morning, didn't we, on the, on the band and so on, they're no different from you. Anyone who can control their tongue perfectly has fully arrived. Hands up anybody who's fully arrived. You know? Sorry, those of you on TV, so I'm not used to this. Hi, everybody, I presume you saw that. I was, hands down, none of us would assume that we've arrived So we're all human, even Her Majesty, bless her, you know, we're preparing ourselves for a sadness, aren't we, at some stage? She won't be with us forever. I've got ready on site, I've got Operation London Bridge for the day Her Royal Highness, excuse me, she's Her Majesty, goes, she is human. God bless her for the duty that she's given in her lifetime. And so are all of us here. So you know... We've got to all judge one another very, very kindly. And in fact, not judge one another at all. Big theme in the book of James. So no pedestals. It's not pedestals, by the way. Not that I'm a pedant. It's pedestal. Right? 
kind of thing that you put a sink on top of. No pedestals. Don't put, don't put anyone on because they'll fall off. And that's half of the problem with the modern day church. We want heroes that we can look to who will take responsibility for our lives rather than us taking it. And then we're surprised when they fall off of the pedestal that we put them on because they are human in the end. So James, having got our attention with leaders, now moves to his desired audience, which is verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, we condemn ourselves, we're inconsistent between our words and our deeds. Verse 2b, if you've sussed this, if you've sussed the tongue, if you can suss this, then you've arrived. The word is teleos that we would get. Um, it means complete it means perfect he moves to all of us Christians he moves to talking about rudders the role of the tongue in steering our life both inside and out and he moves to fire the role of tongue in harming others so we've covered teachers we're now on to rudders be a rudder for Jesus eh? when the Holy Spirit visits you it his visitation he will change your tongue Did you notice that when you became a follower of Jesus Christ? That your language changed. It was the biggest transformation in me. That's probably what I need to do on my video that Matt wants by Friday. You see it in scripture. Isaiah, the Lord appears. In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and raised up. And it said, woe to me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is change what comes out of here. Have you thought of when Jesus calls Peter, what does Peter say? Depart from me, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I mean, just like the people up at Hinkley Point. Other bits, Job chapter 40, you know when finally, in the end, the Lord appears to Job. He says, oh, gosh, I've heard about you, but now I've seen you, and I despise myself, and I repent in sackcloth and ashes, and I put a hand over my mouth, and I won't speak. Do you remember that song, Matt Redman, we used to sing? You are God in heaven, and here I am on earth, so I'll let my words be few. It's straight out of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. This is Solomon, the man of all wisdom, with too many wives and porcupines. (laughs) And he just says, you're God in heaven, and I will let my words be few. A confrontation with God changes the way you speak. And I was talking, Chris knows all about this, so I've got a few associate chaplains on site, and I need to say, Chris is, he won't tell you himself, you know, he's doing an awesome, awesome job with the bus service, SPS, all these white buses that drive around, you really are. And we were in Angie's office, Angie is my line manager, I say to her, Angie, have you ever managed a vicar before? She says, she's like, no, I think well happened. I mean, she's Irish, she says, they're not swear words, you're in, they're just, they're just... They're punctuation marks and things like that. And for some reason, it's not so bad when it comes from an Irish person. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And he's hilarious. And I've decided, listen, I've got bigger fish to fry than twitching every time somebody swears. Because actually, if you're not a Christian, that's what you're going to do. And she says, so there's this sweepstake on, there's this competition, particularly in Hinkley Health that I'm part of. Will Angie stop swearing because of the influence of the chaplain? And I thought, when I turned to Hayley, I'm so godly, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to walk into a room and they're all going to go, oh, we'd better stop swearing then. And now I'm just so much one of the boys that they all swear in front of me, as does Angie. And she said, does it matter to you and you? you? And I said, actually, Angie, it does, because you wouldn't believe it of me, But before I became a Christian, I was a foul man. And I swore a lot. And it changed 
and I don't want to go back to that. So on the sweet state, whether she will stop swearing or I'll start swearing, you need to pray that actually the Holy Spirit will win out and I won't give way to the flesh and so on. When we're talking about swearing, it's not the swearing that's in the Bible. Are you aware of that? You know, children say that, oh, you shouldn't swear. The swearing in the Bible is oaths where I promise I will do this, and then you don't do it. Yeah? So it's exactly what James is speaking about here. The kind of language that I'm talking about on Hinkley Point is, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what is useful for building people up. And it's verse 17 and 18 at the end of chapter 3. But it's not swearing. Swearing in the Bible is about oaths, not profanities. When you become a believer, a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit changes your tongue. Because Jeremiah, excuse me, Ezekiel, he gives you a new heart and your heart is changed. So what overflows out of the heart changes, so your mouth changes. And the mouth is the overflow of the heart. But here is the exact opposite of that, right? The bit from Ezekiel is, and the bit that Jesus said in the Gospels is, that the mouth is the overflow of of the heart, so your heart gets changed, therefore your mouth is pure. Here is talking about it the other way round. The analogy is that the tongue is like a rudder to a ship, or a bit to a horse. So the tongue becomes the thing that defines. The tongue is the controlling instrument. The tongue can show what's inside. That's Jesus' bit in the Gospel. But here, The tongue can define what's inside. The tongue can steer what's inside. The tongue is more than evidence of life inside or spiritual maturity or the journey and the trajectory that you're on. The tongue defines these things. It steers them. Let me repeat it. The tongue can show what's inside, but here it defines what is inside. It steers what's inside. The tongue is more than evidence of life and spiritual maturity and the journey you're on. It defines the journey that you're on, these three things. It steers them. The tongue is key. The tongue is key to spiritual maturity. It defines outside and it defines inside. With regard to psychology, we understand this a little bit more. You heard about NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, like try lift up your hearts. We lift them, Lord, to the... Actually, I raise my hands up like that, and my heart goes, way, oh yeah, we're going partying. For... I sound like Matt, don't I? That's not as how he sounds when I'm around. Okay. Yeah? That what you can do certain things that program your emotions inside, they reinforce them. What you say out of your mind, out of your mouth, reinforces what's going on in your mind, both positively and negatively. I remember this thing on TV about two identical twins, both in good moods, they were females. They had one repeating all day negative things, they had the other repeating positive things all day. They had a script that they had to say. At the end of the day, identical twins were completely different and poles apart because of what they had confessed out of their minds. And you'll be aware, nowadays the battle is for the mind, isn't it? All the negative things on media, the media, and social media are waging war against all of our souls. And yet I find myself drawn back to them like a moth to the flame. I get my phone out thinking that something on my phone is going to make me happy by looking at the news. And basically they're just trying to scare the living daylights out of us and keep us all as good consumers. And, oh, I don't know, I have no idea what's going on. Okay? What comes out of your mouth 
can program what's going on in your mind. If you can master your tongue, you master yourself inside and out. You master your life. You master your mind. You master your direction. You master your trajectory. The tongue is the key factor in controlled living. And the ship, the marine illustration one, is a good illustration of life with its currents and its storms. Winning the battle in these storms is knowing about the rudder, and winning the battle of the tongue is winning all battles. The tongue is more than evidence of spiritual maturity. It is the key to it. The key, James Robertson, I'm going into your terrain here. On your distribution panels at home, your fuse boards, you've got all of these little switches that you're fiddling around with to try and control the trajectory of your life and of your house. There is one master key. There is one master switch, one master RCD. Okay, do they call it RCD now? Uh, It was what? Oh, main switch. Okay, hey, that's really technical. (laughs) I used to be an electronics engineer. The tongue is the master switch. So somehow, without me getting into freakiness, where Christians say, don't say that, you said something negative. Oh gosh, you know, that kind of stuff. And without getting into June, have any of you seen the film June? I saw the one in the 1980s where you say something, stuff happens, okay? And without me getting into magic and shazam, words are key. You know this in the Bible, don't you? They're key in creation, they're key in Jesus, who is the word, the logos, in oaths, They're key in holiness. They're key in building others up. They're key in freedom in your own life. They're key in condemnation. Because by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. Jesus, Matthew 12, verse 37. And a person, he says in 36, will have to give account for every careless or empty word they said in this world. Let's just exit now, shall we? (laughs) You know? And James dedicates a whole chapter to it, the tongue. Not that he knew it, there weren't chapters in those days. Get this and you get it. You can be teleos, you can be complete. You are almost there, as if that were possible. So, the tongue is a rudder to steer your life inside and out. The tongue is also a fire. So the rudder is what it does for you. The fire is what it does to others. The tongue sets a whole forest ablaze. It sets a meeting ablaze. Have you been in a meeting where one person comes in with a tongue and the trajectory of the whole meeting changes? A whole room is changed by one tongue, you know? A gathering sets a gathering ablaze. A tongue can set a family ablaze. A tongue can set a workplace ablaze, an office, a whole team ablaze by one person who is uncontrolled in what they say. A tongue can set a marriage ablaze, can't it? I've learned part of the secret to a good marriage is don't speak, even when you're always right. Because <laughs> one... It's funny. It's true. Do you know, my wife is... I'm a grandfather now, and we've been looking after the little terrorist this weekend. And he's just so gorgeous. He's such a well-behaved little boy. This is Charlotte's little little lad, Toby. And Pam said she, she had to manoeuvre around all his sleeps and so on. It looks like she didn't make it this morning. Are you at home on TV, darling? Hello, love you. I can say whatever I want because you're not here. <laughs> Gosh, because once it comes out of your mouth, you can't bring it back. And then you find five years later, your partner, not that this has ever happened to me, 
five years later, you said, I said, what did I say? When did I say? Five years ago, Pam's never said that to me. She is so gracious. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Hang on, who was it? If you want to keep your marriage good with something in the loving cup, if you're ever wrong, admit it. If you're ever right, shut up. <laughs> who was it who said that? Really? We have to learn to control the tongue for the sake of our workplace because the tongue is a fire that sets things ablaze and hurts people, doesn't it? The tongue makes small boasts, but it can do such huge damage. And believe me, you will know, I am not PC. I'm not all this, oh, God, please be really tender with one another. That's why I, I fit Hinkley. It is the right place for me. Other places for me to be a chaplain just wouldn't work if I had to be PC all the time. But I've ended up chairing a group called Dignity and Respect. I was at a meeting and the chair wasn't there and one of the senior persons says, you're chairing this, you? And I said, no, I'm not, I'm just a humble chaplain. They said, you are now. And so there I am, chairing Dignity and Respect. Not that it's a bad place. I was in industry up until 1987 in the electronics industry. Oh my goodness, we have come a long way. We have come such the things that happened just in the labs. It was atrocious and it was just accepted as the part of the way people are. We're not having any of that stuff now. And I'll tell you what, we're not having it on site. Not that I'm part, no, I'm chairing dignity and respect thing. So we're trying to teach people the borderline between banter, which is good, and pain, which is bad. You know, and you can really only tell that by watching the eyes of the person you're with. And if you don't know the person you're with, you're with, you just got to be careful. So part of dignity and respect is teaching boundary between banter and hurt. And making sure that all people on site, wherever they're from, whatever they're like, are treated with respect. Because everybody is made in the image of God. We've come a long, long way, you know. Um, and it's really good to be part of that. But the tongue makes small boasts, but it can do huge damage. With it we praise God, this is what Tiny Tim, was it Tiny Tim? Tiny somebody with a tricky little tongue. Tiny Tina, yeah, okay. Okay, thank you. With it we praise God, our hands in the air on a Sunday, and we curse others soon afterwards. Lord have mercy on us all, not pointing the finger at anybody but myself. So the fire, the hurt, is another reason to learn to control it. Me too. My tongue, you know. And I realise that if you're in any position of responsibility or authority, your tongue can hurt even more. So let's learn about the tongue, okay? Let's be merciful to our teachers. Let's realise that it is a rudder that can control and steer your life if you can control it. And let's put out the fire, not with gasoline. Let's put out the fire with the water of the Holy Spirit and how we speak to one another without getting all mega sensitive about it and taking offence all the time. Yeah? Part of the role of Christians is to not take offence. Part of our role is also to not hurt others. So I want to end. I want to say to you, grace. 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 I want to say to all of us, including myself, change, change, change in the way we live with the rudder and with the bit and I want to say more power more power, more power come Holy Spirit because you're the one who helps us control our mouths let's pray together
Oh Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged swords and it pierces into our hearts and it divides bone and flesh. And I think the sword was out this morning. We're really grateful for everything that you say to us. Uh, we're cautious of what people say to us. And I pray, Lord, if I'd been off tack in any way this morning, it would just be dispensed with. But if you've spoken, would you speak into our hearts and confirm it and affirm it now? And most of all, Lord, more power, more of you in our lives that we may have grace towards us, but grace to others. And we may have grace to hold this rudder firmly in our hand to steer our life in our direction. Let's wait, see if the Lord has anything to say by prophetic word, by tongue interpretation. If there's nothing, we're completely relaxed about it. But let's wait. Thank you, Lord. Your word is enough. Thank you.